0: Hello and welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night The number one entertainment source for hoods, hustlers, freaks, creeps, not cops Crazies, weirdos, winos, low
1: lowlifes, and god With me I have...
2: Hi, I'm Austin Sweebleman
1: I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I am the Pinball Wizard by The Who
0: And today we're discussing a film that's animated but not a cartoon Funny but not a comedy It's real, it's unreal, it's heavy Heavy Traffic, the 1973 sophomore animated feature from prolific director of adult animation, Ralph Bakshi.
3: Your mother is a goddamn crazy bitch, Michael!
0: Hopping right in To you guys This is our second time Discussing one of Bakshi's urban films Third time overall Discussing Fritz and Wizards prior So we have a firm Baseline here For what his films Have been I I forced Tanner To watch Fritz at least Though he has not Seen Wizards yet Sorry But what were Your guys' expectations Coming into Heavy traffic Tim do you want To lead us off
1: Sure Um, There was a screening A few months ago At Webster That I wanted to go to But I was not able to go to. Without saying names, I was on a set for a short film. There was an extra on that set who decided she didn't like the film and decided to make it everybody's problem. So we had to stay over time. But I had been looking forward to seeing this. This is a movie that I had on my radar for a while. I had seen Fritz the Cat a few times prior. had some degree of familiarity with Bakshi's work and I was interested to see this one since it was one of his earlier films and it's one of his x-rated films so very enticing but did I like it did I hate it was I mixed we'll find out later back to you Ethan
0: yeah, it's a it's a shame you weren't able to make it out to that screening. Uh, very unfortunate. But I'm glad you were able to see it at least, and I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are, especially you know coming off someone who's a bit more familiar with like Bakshi's Fantasy Fair and is like, relatively new to his urban stuff. I'd like you to meet and dance with the fourth Andrew sister. The fourth? Yeah, because
3: she was black, they kept her in the background. <laughs> <Huh?
2: laughs>
3: Tanner, what were your expectations coming into heavy traffic? So, Heavy Traffic is a movie I first watched four years ago now. I don't remember the context in which it came up, but at some point, Ethan, when we were both working together at a time, uh, let me borrow his Blu-ray copy of the film. I don't remember what he told me about it. I don't remember what my expectations about it were. All I know was is that for months at this point, Ethan kept sending me what I didn't know at the time was an altered screenshot from the film that said, get this Tanner out of my house, and that's all I knew. I don't really remember what my expectations were other than the fact that Ethan's like, here, borrow this Blu-ray and watch And I went, I will. And then like an unjustified length of time passed from you handing me that Blu-ray to me finally watching it. So I don't remember what my expectations were, which I know is a boring answer to the question. Sorry. It was four years ago now. It was such a long time ago. I love you both, but I got my own problems, you know? Uh yeah.
1: H- How'd you like some breakfast?
3: It's too early now, huh? Oh, such a young boy.
0: No, that's completely fair. I remember uh, me and Josh had organized. We were going to watch it in the screening room at Webster. I mean, you were supposed to be there, but I believe you were being sad at the time, understandably so, uh, because it was 2019, which was a terrible year for everyone.
3: (laughs) That was my excuse a lot back then.
0: (laughs) But I remember, yeah, me and Josh had watched it, and so I was like, okay, here. Now you watch it, because I think you had come to visit us after we'd already finished the movie, which is when I gave you my Blu-ray copy, and I made you watch it. I pestered you a lot, uh, but I'm glad you did. What was really funny was that you were like, you texted me every day. Persistence is key. Uh, uh, Austin, your expectations going into heavy traffic.
2: I think there's really no way to expect the reality of what heavy (laughs) traffic actually is. I think if you Google movies like heavy traffic, it just kind of spits out Bakshi's filmography back at you and just dusts off its hands like, good job. You're driving with no hands.
1: I think it's easy to practice a lot and never, ever do it in heavy traffic.
2: Due to my sort of ignorance as a person who hadn't seriously studied animation history before this show, my initial expectations really fixated on the sexual aspects of the X rating and the rough, low budget animation. Got me thinking of stuff you'd see on like, X videos if you took a wrong turn looking for hentai. Movies like Down and Dirty Duck, Tarzoon, or another 1973 movie from across the pond, King Dick. Like those heavily airbrushed VHS covers you find on bootleg cartoons sold at the gas station. Something sticky. If anything, all this seedy anticipation did prepare me for the barrage of feelings that heavy traffic evokes. Thank God when the dust settled, those feelings were more like the art museum and less like the dildo store.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to believe that this was kind of, you know, this X-rated picture was a work that was approached with a certain amount of artistic consideration. I believe Vincent Canby of Village Voice named it in his top 10 films of 1973, which included the likes of Mean Streets and uh, Last Tango in Paris. A bunch of, you know, really excellent sort of films um, and, you know, coming off of Fritz, too, which also did very well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a product of a different time When, you know, X-rated pictures could be more broadly considered um, Even if this film, you know, didn't do as well as Fritz
3: You know, I'm uh, really not too big with the girls I mean, it's, uh, it's obvious Mick Jagger, I'm not
0: But, uh, you know, getting into my own expectations coming into this film, I didn't know too much. I knew I liked Ralph Bakshi. I'd seen a handful of his films at this point. Well, really just Wizards and Lord of the Rings, which I both quite liked. But I'd read about Heavy Traffic being this sort of difficult film, sort of polarizing in its way. And I would wanted to get my hands on a copy. So I, of all things, uh, I asked for it for my birthday uh, and my mother bought it for me. On my 15th birthday, um, she gave me the Blu-ray copy uh, at a local sports bar. Because they had a good Philly cheesesteak. Uh, Kriegers, they're closed now.
2: And miss Kriegers. They had good fry seasoning.
0: Kriegers ruled. Yeah, they gave you a ton of fries, and I would just eat all the fries and then keep the sandwich for later.
2: They served their toasted ravioli on Frisbees for the kids oh meal.
3: Yeah. They oh. served it on Fritz the cat? What the fuck? They killed Fritz. They killed Fritz.
2: They killed Fritz. They killed Fritz.
3: They killed Fritz. But no, uh,
0: I got this film sort of unexpectedly. I wasn't expecting her to pick that one out, but I uh, I watched it pretty soon after, and I I didn't know how to feel about it. It's it's a film that that leaves you confused, especially at age fifteen, having not really seen anything like this, even in terms of you know contemporary like seventies film or like the more aggressive French new wave material that might vaguely approach the orbit of what this film is trying to do, but not really. Yes, the freeway is much quicker.
3: Yeah, but she'll be hitting all the heavy traffic going back to San Francisco. Sembra mi rumore col
0: But I've revisited quite a few times since And my feelings have definitely evolved As my uh, understanding of Bakshi's larger body of work And animation history And just film history in general Have developed It's at the very least a remarkable film Whether those remarks are good or bad Is something that we're going to get into In this (laughs) next question Which is uh, What are our overall thoughts on heavy traffic? We're mixing up the order this time I like to be dangerous Tanner What are your overall thoughts on heavy traffic?
3: Alright here we go This has been something I've been wanting. I've been thinking a lot. I've seen this movie twice. The first time was when Ethan let me borrow his Blu ray copy, and the second time was at the Webster film series in April. And I've been dwelling on this a lot, and I think I've reached a conclusion, which uh, is that when it comes to Ralph Bakshi, at least with granted I've only seen the two movies and they're both more of the urban movies, when it comes to him, I don't think I actually like his writing all that much.
0: Another million years passed and everything was under garbage. The only thing that didn't change was the guys were still horny as hell. they just hump anything inside.
3: Even though there is clearly a coherent narrative going on, it still somehow feels like a loose collection of scenes only tangentially related, which is weird because they're heavily related. They flow into one and the other. And yet something about my brain makes it not like, click in my head in a weird way that I'm not quite sure how to explain. It's less a story being told and more of a collection of scenes being presented to me. It is gritty, it is real, but they just don't connect very well. Clearly there's a lot of good going on here. I do find parts of this movie funny. We'll get into the visuals with the next question, but I do find it incredibly visually appealing. I think the voice acting across the board is really stellar, so I don't know what it is exactly that makes it so these movies not connect with me. I don't think it's the content, I've seen other shit that's really weird that I have gotten I wouldn't say enjoy, but I've gotten something out of. Like, I've seen Sallow, I get something out of Sallow. I just think I never fully find a way to connect to these characters. Uh, Carol, I do like her as a character. I wish the movie was more about her. Because Michael, the main character, I don't know. I just don't fully feel things there. I mean, do I look like a virgin to you? <laughs> there is a lot to like about this, and I wouldn't say it's bad. I think it's a problem with me. For some reason, Bakshi's urban writing doesn't connect with me.
0: Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. The films are very sort of, their production is messy in a lot of ways. Bakshi sort of shifted into this very sort of poetic mode of structuring his films, and I feel like they work at their best when you view them more as anthologies of poetry rather than as, like, a, if you view a traditional film as, like, a novel, then this is, like, poetry with a loose narrative sort of through line or, like, a thematic core. I think uh, Heavy Traffic is probably the, the best at balancing those aspects. Like, like, Fritz is very heavily segmented with its episode, I would say um, to its detriment um, and coonskin is sort of the vignettes are the star of the show the, the main plot is kind of not as great but heavy traffic I think most tightly balances that but even then it's it's not something that will necessarily work for everyone if you can't find a character or narrative beat that you really glom on so I definitely get it but yeah no um Austin your overall thoughts on heavy traffic
2: man. Uh, the difference between watching this film at home in 2023 and watching it projected live at a rich kid art college was so tremendously different. Seeing this at the Webster film series made me suddenly very conscious of how much prior knowledge and perspective you need to watch this in the modern day and not potentially mistake it for something very insensitive. It's like how, if you know how difficult it is to physically make analog special effects without a computer, suddenly the old King Kong movie isn't lame and shitty anymore. With Heavy Traffic, understanding its, like, release and proximity to the abolition of the Hays Code, the limited range of subjects that had been tackled in feature animations up to 1973, and a general idea about how... Fucking chaotic New York used to be. Suddenly you realize Ralph Bakshi was indeed cooking with gas.
3: You guys, have you ever thought that maybe the
2: traffic's heavy? <laughs> On this recent rewatch, I made a couple discoveries that sort of elevated the experience. First off, I took the time to read the first half of Unfiltered, the complete Ralph Bakshi by John M. Gibson and Chris McDonnell. And in the pages of the book, they spill the beans on a couple of events from Ralph Bakshi's life that are referenced here in this film. First off, there's this picture on page 16 of Ralph playing with his friends, Alan and Dennis, on some rooftop. It's very reminiscent of those Italian dudes who beat the shit out of each other in this film.
1: When I was a kid growing up in Italy,
2: that's one. There's a penis pump. That's no way. Holy cow! I'm totally going so fast. Ah, oh, fuck! On pages 24 and 28, there's this story about a time Ralph was at his friend's house and this cop who had just recently murdered his wife jumped off a building, hitting the clothesline on the way down. It's fascinating if that was the inspiration for the unfortunate redhead who gets stuck up there in heavy traffic, because that visual gag is wild enough without adding a suicidal policeman into the mix. But hey, that's Brooklyn for you. My last observation I'll discuss here is that I noticed after Michael's imaginary self is murdered in haunting fashion and the film cuts back to real Michael at the pinball machine, it wasn't because his ball drained through the bottom like you'd expect. He got a tilt! You see, in pinball, most halfway decent people are worried about the ball falling through the hole between the flippers. But if you're too rough with the machine and shaking it like some kind of fucking jerk, all the electronics (laughs) freeze up, including the flippers, and you get a tilt. Just got to stand there and watch the ball drain at that point. Nothing you can do to stop it. It's not that he wasn't skilled. It's not that his flipper work wasn't good. It's the fact that he shook the whole machine too hard. Uh, depending on how much back she actually thought through that pinball metaphor, this could be of great significance.
3: It'll be very interesting to see how he copes with the heavy traffic. <laughs> what you say?
2: Oh, that you only meant with. When- Anyway, it's always a pleasure to shoot the shit about this film. Between the surreal turns it takes and its rampant use of symbolism, it always feels like there's something new to dig into. Bakshi's best film by a landslide, in my opinion. Those reviewers in 1973 were dead on the money. If modern-day observers want to be serious about studying cinema, uh, hopefully they can do the work to snowball enough prior knowledge together to actually engage with this without being reductive or cagey. But this was never really for everybody in the first place. It's a little too heavy for that.
0: I, I think you have some wonderful points, um, particularly vis-a-vis, like, the pinball metaphors are weirdly on point throughout the film, and I feel like that that framing device is is truly excellent. It's what gets this film, like, makes a lot of its harsher edges kind of smooth out, at least in my opinion, just viewing it through that lens. And, and the tilt at the end, in particular, is a really good point. One I, I not myself even considered, honestly, the fact that he's he's playing too rough with the machine, and that's what finally makes him lose. I like that a lot. But also, yeah, I think that uh, it's a film that's going to be hard for modern audience to go back to, but it is kind of one of those things where you want a Leonard Malton explaining the historical context in the front of it like you get with the Looney Tunes or Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> telling you why Tom and Jerry is good and cool but a little problematic. <laughs> it does benefit from a bit of context, at the least. It, it makes the medicine go down a bit easier.
2: Hey, I'm Whoopi Goldberg, and welcome to the Heavy Traffic Spotlight Collection. Now the Heavy Traffic is included in this collection and the outrageous brand of humor shown here comes to us from a time when racial and ethnic differences were caricatured in the name of entertainment. I've been a fan of
3: heavy traffic as a little
0: kid. Cause they're animated, but it's not a cartoon. But uh, Tim, your overall thoughts on heavy traffic.
1: So I'm coming fresh off of my first viewing of this movie. Watched it right before the recording. And I gotta be honest, not quite sure how to feel about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhere <laughs> between Tanner and Austin on this. I think I'm a little warmer on it than Tanner, but I don't think I like it as much as the other Bakshi movies that I've seen. I think this one is a little more chaotic in the way it's showing all of these vignettes than at least the ones that I've seen. And I think I respect it more as a piece of art than necessarily enjoy it as a narrative. Hello. My
3: friend hit some heavy traffic on the way home. There is a two-car accident on Maple and Green, and it won't be cleared until 10.45.
1: I think the end is where it started to sort of click for me as a narrative, and uh, the pinball metaphor that Austin just uh, alluded to, that is blowing my mind now. So I may have to give this another watch. I may have to re-examine it, but yeah. I'm still trying to piece together how much I like it as... An overall piece. No,
0: no, I think that's completely fair. It sounds like, honestly, you're kind of in a similar place to where I was when I first saw this movie. Um, you know, it's a film which I, I think very much benefits from repeat viewings in general, but it's it's a lot to take in all at once. Um, yeah,
1: is that crazy Jew kid up there again? That's
0: worth one. Getting into my own thoughts, uh, I really love this movie. Just gonna set the stage for that right off the bat. That's pretty obvious. Uh, it's a, just a varied, potent satirical work of animated poetry uh, that effectively contrasts its hyperbolic irreality with this really disquieting realism at times. Uh, it employs a series of vignettes which cut between its large cast of characters as opposed to the, aforementioned sort of rigidly segmented, episodic format of Fritz that sort of solely focuses on him. Instead, Heavy Traffic sets its chaotic, uh, time's kind of messy tone from that opening intercutting between Michael's internal monologue and some more Bakshi poetry uh, as he plays pinball and uh, contrasting that with this sort of tragicomic hyper-violent nightmare that is urban life uh, in New York City. Like the trailer says it's funny uh, but it's not a comedy. It's often quite good bits uh, like a lot of Adinji and Ida's domestic sort of conflicts or Michael's failed stint working for his uncle uh, contrasts those moments of violence and tension like Carol being stalked by Shorty uh, as she wanders the streets by herself. Ida's reminiscences about her own youth and uh, that incredible climax that brilliant finale. Uh, it's disparate but ultimately back she's sort of working on all cylinders here. Uh, it's towing the line where I think it's it's more effective than uh, Coonskin in that the vignettes coalesce into a whole film and it's not uh, quite so rough shot as Fritz Hi Carol. I like it a lot. I think it's a really incredible movie, but let's get right into it. Thoughts on the film's animation and visual design, baby. Austin, if you'd like to lead us off here.
2: Lots of mixed media, very experimental for the time. Tinting, solarization, inverted colors, bende day dots, stock footage... Clips from famous features of years gone by. Animation as jazz, like the book puts it. For this rewatch, I recently learned what a couple of the live-action bits are from. Like, when Michael's in the theater, he's watching the 1932 pre-code film Red Dust, made by Victor Fleming. I think the clip depicts a, the protagonist of that movie being very shitty to a prostitute, which might foreshadow Michael's urge to evolve into a pimp. I haven't figured out the subtext on the second one, but that clip of all the women with the glowing rings is from the 1943 Bubsy Berkeley film The Gang's All Here. Apparently that movie is famous for people constantly wearing fruit hats. <laughs> Anyhow, heavy traffic is a visual feast. Apparently Baxi sent his key animators to live in Brooklyn for three weeks, and you can tell. This film does a really spectacular job of communicating what New York was like back in the day, maybe even more effectively than a live-action film like Mean Streets does.
3: Hey Ada, what are you doing up? Praying for the dead. Who died?
2: You died! It's not just the reality of what was there, lots of places have street corners and alleyways and docks. It's the feeling of that place, in time, that animation captures using all these cool little tricks. Like a puzzle made of these unusual colors, textures, and, and cultural associations animation is jazz like the book puts it
0: yeah yeah no um, I think animation is jazz Uh, jazz poetry there's a lot of a lot of things that aren't like a traditional narrative that you kind of instinctively want to compare this film to but uh, (laughs) I I, I think that's accurate in a lot of ways but no Tim overall thoughts on Heavy Traffic's uh, animation and visual design
1: I think that the visual design of the movie overall is what makes it really fascinating Uh, it's experimental nature is just something that's really fascinating like that's Something that I really loved about Wizards, and uh, it's also definitely at play here. You get a lot of traditional cartoon animation. You have some more animatic-type stuff with the Maybelline sequence. Uh, that That's one of the parts that I think really stuck out in my mind. The God thing, very funny. And, you know, the, the intercutting between live-action and uh, animation, I think, is done really well here. Like You see all the movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and world, Uh, but I think it's employed in a much more unique way here than those movies and I think that's something that really stands out to me.
0: Uh, both of those sequences, the Maybelline sequence and the, the Mother Pile god sort of story, the Maybelline sequence being storyboarded by Bob Dranko and animated by Mark Kausler, and the Mother Pile story being illustrated by Bob Taylor, uh, credited appropriately are both wonderful, really distinct, sort of uh, funky animatic things. Uh, they kind of call to mind like the history sequence at the
1: opening mm-hmm. of Wizards. I also really enjoyed how sort of psychedelic it got at the end when he gets his brains blown out.
2: Let me take you down
3: i I'm going
1: to That's something that really stuck out to me visually
0: It's such a wonderful ending sequence, holy shit, it's so good But yeah, no, those uh, interstitial sort of sequences where we get a real peek into Michael's mind and it's real depravoid kind of crude takes on underground comics too, which I I just love how hyperbolic, like they're they're easily the most like explicit in terms of, you know, violence and sex probably throughout the vast majority of the film, if not the entirety of it.
3: Hey, this is the voice of God, Warren. What's up? I'll come right to the point, Warren. You gotta let me screw one. Hey God, how was she? Not
0: bad. And they're, they're wonderful little diversions. Moving along, Tanner, thoughts on the film's animation visual design?
3: So, everything I said about the writing, uh, if you take whatever the opposite values of those were and apply it to how I feel about the animation, that would be accurate. For as much as I do not connect with Bakshi's writing, him and his team's animation style, I heavily connect with. I want to read my note here word for word this movie is awfully purdy. <laughs>
1: Snowflake. Who's your friend? Oh, Bongo? I met
2: him earlier, sweetie. Ain't he cute? Oh, you savage, Bongo. You really are.
3: And I stand by that. It is a very nice movie to look at. A specific thing I like with Bakshi's movies is just how the characters move. There's something, like, almost hypnotic. They feel real lively. Another thing I really like about Bakshi's, uh, and this movie's animation in general, are the backgrounds. I just really like the backgrounds in all of them. Even when they're simpler, even when they're more complex, I, I just... Really like the backgrounds, and every now and again, the, the backgrounds and the great character animation comes together, and it develops a really cool image. Oddly enough, I think one of the, like, more interesting scenes to look at is the one where Get This Tanner Out of My House comes from. There's, like, 72 different things going on. It's chaotic, it's a lot, and I love it. I mean, I don't love it. There's a lot of fucked up shit going on, but looking <laughs> at it, that's great. Like the looking. A Lot of looking. So, yeah, as much as I don't dig his writing style, his movie's animation style really connects with me. And Heavy Traffic, between the two I've seen, I think Heavy Traffic is by far the better animated between this and uh, Fritz the Cat.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the fact that they weren't moving from uh, New York to California mid production definitely helps uh, <laughs> in terms of like the consistency of things. Like, it's still obvious that pencil tests are minimal, um, and there's no like correction of the drawings. You you can pretty immediately tell like certain artists are drawing a certain sequence with how loose the characters are and how off model they are in one sequence versus the other. Everyone has a very distinct way of drawing these characters, especially since they're a bit higher detail than they are in Fritz. It leaves a bit more room for that interpretation to sort of happen.
3: I want you to see me handle these goddamn strikers. We don't need no college like you here. So
2: let's go, huh? What do you say, man? Fuck you! Try me.
0: And speaking of the backgrounds, kind of going into my own thoughts, the whole film is a wonderful collage uh, that really builds on lessons from Fritz and uses a lot more mixed media kind of approaches. Uh, Johnny Vita and Ira Turek do return uh, to do backgrounds uh, with those wonderful sort of wash watercolor paintings with uh, radiograph pen illustrations. But you also have a bunch of photographs that were uh, shot in focus and then pulled out of focus in post-production, then blown up to be used as backgrounds, giving them this real kind of hazy, gauzy quality, um, like being uh, shot in soft focus that I like a lot. In general, I think it's generally quite effective Even if I love those uh, Johnny Vita and Ira Turek backgrounds so much They're so good the use of, like, rotograph stuff to integrate live-action footage with animation. The fact that one of the, the things that they do to save money in this film is they don't paint shadows uh, kind of puts it at odds with Cool World to a much lesser extent, but like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where that was intensely a point of focus, was making sure the shadows matched correctly. But it, it works towards a more uncanny sort of quality. It's not meant to be convincing uh, in that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of meant to call attention to itself. I love the sort of commenting on a uh, way they interact, uh, but also just a fun little Quirk of audio. I love the way that the guy singing Maybelline in the Maybelline sequence uh, before it cuts to like the animatic stuff does not remember the lyrics to it. So a lot of it's <laughs> just him kind of noodling and, and missing notes. But it's very real and raw, and I love that.
1: Ain't hey, run away from my super
0: the design work, again, it's a lot more realistic. Uh, there's less hatching than in Fritz for like, shading that sort of thing. It's not trying to ape that aesthetic quite so much, but I think it makes up for it in a lot of subtle details. I like a lot of designs. Angie's design uh, for as awful of a character as a person that he is. I've always really liked his design a lot. Uh, he's very fun to draw. <laughs> I, can, I can attest to that. Uh, and just as a sidebar, I, I won't name names just in case they, they don't want to be called out, but I have somebody who's seen this film and they commented that they think Carol and Michael are both very attractive.
1: Now listen here, boy, and- long as Carol got this head, good thing and this here left, <laughs> she don't need anything else unless she wants it.
0: Which I can see. I can, uh, that's fine. I, I do not disagree. You can name my name, mm. Ethan. It's okay. <laughs> Spice. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of funky funky stuff here. Again, just like integration of live action footage, the like inverted colors, the, the weird like again the aforementioned bit with Michael's uncle, where the women are shot in slow motion with the, the colors inverted, <laughs> using the negative. Oh, it's it's so weird and disquieting, but kind of wonderful. And then hearing hearing Ralph Bakshi's voice as he talks about bras in the background and the opening of that sequence is wonderful too. Uh, the the other sort of bit that didn't get mentioned in Tim's segment is uh, that sequence of the sort of dramatizing. Angie and Ida's fighting sort of done as homage to Otto Mesmer who's an artist on a lot of classic Felix the Cat cartoons basically the guy who codified that sort of personality animation that sequence was designed and animated by Mark Kausler who also animated the Maybelline sequence and is wonderful in a weird way just sort of really emphasizing sexual violence uh, in a very exaggerated sort of funky way that represents Michael's sort of repression Angie and Ida's fights are super energetic Uh, I love the way they're drawn here another cut of animation that really jumps to mind is uh, Angie trying to light his cigarette after he fails to break the strike and is told that the Don does not like certain people moving his olive oil. That sequence, as it slowly burns out, is super good, but we've gotta get to the uh, absolute best bit of this film, which is the finale, the animation at the end, Michael's assassination by Shorty, as animated by John Sperry, as we watch the bullet enter his head in slow motion, a pinball from the front, bullet from the side, the look of shock on Michael's face, the way his Eyes glaze as it blows through his skull, the background contorting as it just twists around, going technicolor. The caving of Michael's skull is probably one of the most effective pieces. Like, it, it's so weird to see something like that so realistically rendered. Then Carol letting out a cry as she turns into a crow, doing this wonderful, like, loop in Z space, moving in perspective before flying off screen leading to that close-up of Michael's eyes, as we see is them just completely glazed over, already dead, before zooming into his skull as it cuts to that demented sequence of loose, very cartoony animation by Bob Taylor. The percussion building, uh, Carol's cry sort of repeating, growing louder in the mix, uh, before hard-cutting to tilt. So good. Absolutely one of the most effective sequences, like, in film history for me, let alone animation history. Just a magical sequence, uh, and I love it to bits. It elevates uh, the whole film. But the rest of it is also great. That's the long and short of it. We'll leave the finale for this segment with the finale of the movie and go for a quick
1: ad break.
0: Catch you after.
1: Anime is Japanese animation. For those of you who haven't seen Japanese animation before, you're in for a real treat.
0: We're back with more ads. First of all, MoviePalette.com. Perfect place to get a high-quality canvas print featuring the primary colors of each scene from your favorite movie. And if your favorite movie isn't already listed, you can pay just a bit extra for a custom print. You can also give us a bit of money. Uh, Make up for the extra cost by using code SQUAD15 at checkout for a 15% discount that earns us a bit of affiliate change. Um, And since the Angie Corleones of the world rule Hollywood, uh, we'd like to stand (laughs) in solidarity with the folks who deliver the Don's Olive Oil. Read, write your favorite movies and television series. So be sure to check the descriptions for links to support great races for the Strikers, like the Entertainment Community Fund, the Snack List, and Groceries for Writers. Uh, all those folks who are fighting the good fight will we greatly appreciate. Back to general discussion. Let's get right into it, boys. Uh, the big question on everyone's minds, what are your favorite bits?
3: Unironically, I think my favorite segment of the movie is the live action sequence at the end. I think that's when the movie really grabs me narratively, and I don't know, I think him running after her in the park and then like they're arguing and then they're dancing, I don't know, it felt very authentic and sweet and real. That's
0: a really good segment, honestly. I I like it a lot. Uh, Initially, there exist cells that indicate that that ending of them dancing was supposed to be, like, they would switch back over to animation at the very end, because there are completed cells for it, but they weren't actually used where they rotoscoped that a little bit. I think that would have been effective in its own right, but I don't mind it that they switched back over to animation. I think kind of keeping it in its own realm works nicely.
2: They have that one sideways shot of Michael walking through the alley that just looks spectacular. And uh, there's a bit of information because Bakshi never made a fully live action thing, but I found a a little tidbit that's hidden behind like a fucking paywall. Apparently uh, Bakshi bought the screenplay from this poet named Melvin Will and it was called The Barracudas and it was supposed to be Bakshi's first live action movie. And I've never heard of that before. So I thought I ought to pop off in this episode and just put that out into the air. So the J-Store can't hide it behind a paywall forever.
0: I, I, not to uh, undercut uh, Austin's fun tidbit, but Ralph actually did direct one live-action feature, Cool and the Crazy, in 1994. It was like a direct-to-television, sort of oh. 1950s dealy-bopper. It's fine. Uh, it's it's all right. It's it's not the best thing in the world. It's him very much getting back into things while doing a lot of other television projects.
2: we were talking about real movies!
0: Not uh, HBO movies. The movies. No, uh, but it's all right. It's pretty decent. Did you guys have anything in particular on your minds?
3: I don't know what sequence I would, but I want to like edit a part of this movie to have some kind of... Beastie Boys song over it, I don't know why, but in my brain,
1: I feel like that'd be very fitting. That's the most Tanner response possible.
0: Ta- I, I want to articulate this for the audience. Tanner Richard Kraft would like to edit a Heavy Traffic AMV set to a Beastie Boys song. <laughs> that is what I
3: wanted to say, but then I went, is AMV correct? Doesn't that stand for anime? Animated. Music <laughs> oh, okay. Video. I want to make a Heavy Traffic AMV set to No Sleep Till Brooklyn, specifically. <laughs>
1: oh, here
2: we go. <laughs> we use apart from the godfather sequence i think the best part of this movie is fucking angie's drunken you know fucking hallucination of the godfather i think him getting Mm. shot a dozen times to a part of a beastie boy song would be a great way to punctuate a certain
3: beat we're gonna have that video come out on this channel like the wednesday after this episode (laughs) (laughs) kick it kick it bullet goes through his skull no,
0: I love um, I love the the Don sequence. Ralph actually has a real thing about against the Godfather. Uh, he he does not like the Godfather at all. Uh, like I think he probably likes the movie fine, but he just really doesn't like when people glamorize the mafia. The uh, Coonskin is all about that, basically. Though the primary antagonist of that film is a, a even more grotesque sort of Don.
2: There's this one line delivery during the Godfather sequence where Frank Dakova calls Carol an eggplant in Italian, but his voice sounds like his balls are being crushed by a hydraulic press as he chokes out the words. I fucking love that! Also, uh, this film has a top-shelf startling image like, our generation is specifically aware of startling images because of those screamer prank videos that circulated on the web when we were younger. Like famous examples, Pazuzu from The Exorcist, that bass from the end of Sleepaway Camp, that lady whose eye is all messed up from the Odessa step sequence of uh, Battleship Potemkin. But this film tops all of them. It's that inverted image of the puppet lady shown first at the photographer's place. That just look, that frightens me to pieces.
0: I can see that. Yeah, yeah, the slow pan up to see. It's just kind of jerking back and forth, like this weird Coney Island animatronic. It's its one of the more disquieting bits.
2: Can't stand it.
1: There's something Tanner brought up uh, at one point was how uh, some of the character animation felt more wavy and uh, alive and uh, I watched this with my girlfriend and uh, one of the things she pointed out while we were watching was uh, this movie gets something and it's the tits. sometimes they just be flopping out yeah yeah. I really like the um, when Angie
0: uppercuts her and they, they fly out and then they go back in with like the sound of pool balls being racked that cracking sound it's very good um, I also really love because uh, Ralph actually does a lot of that man on the street dialogue kind of stuff the hecklers like the people from the other apartments who are shouting uh, and they're so excited watching Angie just beat the shit out of Ida and he's like kick her ass <laughs> oh! <laughs> and uh, the uh, star of David on uh, Ida's hatchet is deeply funny to me my parents watch a lot of old television lately and it was it's striking uh, how much their dynamic is like just elevated Edith and Archie Bunker from all in the family <laughs> like the, with the voices and even the builds uh,
2: what do you give a shit for He's my goddamn son. He's your goddamn son. That's right, but who wants him now after what you did to him? It's fresh perk, though.
3: Yeah, it's fresh perk, but it tastes like this.
2: I heard you, but it's fresh perk. I accept that it's fresh (laughs) perk.
0: Angie's very much doing an Archie Bunker kind of voice, and I don't know why. I was very much taken aback by uh, that revelation, uh, because All in the Family premiered in 1971. There's. Ralph Bakshi was watching it. Ralph Bakshi was incorporating his influences into his work, like all artists do.
2: You mentioned how there were some scenes where there were different animators in charge. During the scene where Carol meets up with, like, I think the four other prostitutes, she looks like a completely different character. It was really, like, really stark.
0: I, I feel like that the sequence you're talking about might have been Bob Taylor, uh, just because it kind of resembles that like nightmare sequence with the loose animation and the way he draws like thick kind of sausage fingers. But yeah, yeah, Carol is probably at her most uh, different looking there uh, when she's interacting with the other girls. Uh, the uh, one of the guys who, who first gets stopped by the prostitutes too, the guy with the glasses and the hat, you can tell who that is. It's Ralph Bakshi, because if anybody kind of sounds like they have a little bit of a lisp and they uh, they talk with a bit of a high pitched voice, then it's usually Ralph Bakshi, <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I love his little vocal cameos he also plays uh, a guy who's being tortured in the post-apocalyptic sequence uh he says oh god it hurts um
2: wasn't he also the guy they kill michael and carol when they when they beat a man to death yeah it sounded like him
0: much to think about this this movie in general is a lot of ralph being very self-effacing but that but that guy kind of kind of sort of looks like ralph too
1: what the hell's going on here been fussing around with your clothes for eight minutes Shit, man, I ain't got all night. Well, no, I just came down from Baltimore. I man, I just came to see the city. Well, you just come right along here and tell me what's your specialty. I
3: got a wife and ten kids. Man was crucified, but still did not tell. Oh, it hurts.
0: Oh, we didn't, we didn't mention it. But holy shit, I do kind of love the shot where uh, Carol is hooking up with that guy, and it's just them in Nighthawks. Oh. that's that's such a good bit. But no, um, I think. I think at this point, we're going to call it time. Any final thoughts?
3: Tanner, would you
0: like to start us off?
3: Bakshi uh, is clearly an important man when it comes to the history of animation, or at least specifically American animation. I think the visual style of his movies have a lot of flair, but at least of the two I've seen, the writing leaves a bit to be desired. That's not to say this is a bad movie. I still think it's worth watching, and I recommend that you, yes, you, watch it.
0: Yes, uh, I think it, it warrants at least one viewing if, if you're completely turned off by it. Uh, I understand like I would completely respect that I think just going in with a little bit of context helps it go down easier but if you go in with that and just find it repulsive that's fair it's a very intentionally abrasive sort of film
1: watch Cool World instead (laughs) watch Cool (laughs) World (laughs) Uh,
0: there's no uh, good
1: reason to watch Cool World what if I'm a big Uh, Brad Pitt fan (laughs)
0: <laughs> Brad Pitt is terrible in that movie, so it is very funny. It has a really good soundtrack too. If you're if you're like a big like '90s industrial and club head, oh, okay. uh, if you like Moby, you'll love the Cool World soundtrack. Uh, Tim, uh, final thoughts.
1: Going in with just one viewing, uh, this is definitely not my favorite Bakshi movie, but uh, there's definitely some stuff that I got out of it. I'd like to give it another viewing, maybe some more, uh, maybe get a few more viewings in and pick up on some stuff that I wasn't able to get necessarily on this viewing. But it's definitely an interesting movie artistically, and I definitely recommend it if you are a fan of animation history and controversial things. Back to you, Ethan.
2: Its historical value
0: uh, is certainly significant, you know. it's 1973 was an absolute banner year for adult animated films. Uh, you had Heavy Traffic, Belladonna of Sadness, uh, and Fantastic Planet all coming out just a complete coincidence total happenstance that just three of the best and earliest adult animated films ever happened to drop at that same time three absolute bangers that are gonna make you feel real sad yeah they're they're gonna make you feel rough in some, some capacity Fantastic Planet's alright but uh, the whole film is so unnerving but Austin final thoughts
2: Uh, To echo a lot of what Tanner and Tim had said, it was the first of its kind, it's rough around the edges, but Heavy Traffic was a revolutionary moment in the history of American animation, and we should all be sort of grateful to Bakshi for starting this little fire in the long, cold shadow of Walt Disney.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that transitions directly into my own final thoughts. Is heavy traffic is work that that is hard, abrasive. Uh, it, it fits neatly into, in my opinion, the the canon of New Hollywood in a lot of ways. The the harsher canon, admittedly, yeah. but that canon, nonetheless. You know, I I think it's it's sort of essential viewing along with the likes of um, Bean Streets and and sort of the stuff that uh, or Dog Day Afternoon. Maybe the stuff that doesn't immediately jump to mind when you think of you know 70s classic filmmaking like Easy Rider, or The Godfather, uh, but it's, it's that layer down that really helps you appreciate a lot of that material, in my opinion. It's really incredible film with uh, an absolutely just remarkably good, fantastic, perfect finale that has a lot of good stuff. It can be genuinely funny, especially if you revisit it after you've sort of acclimated to the content with a capital C, but uh, I highly recommend at least one viewing, uh, maybe with a good reading of Unfiltered first, or at least the first few chapters. Uh, at the very least, go to the early life section of Ralph Bakshi's Wikipedia page first. I I think it's a really compelling work on both a socio-political level and aesthetic level uh, that makes it absolutely worth looking into. But what do I know? I still jerk off. But you know who else still jerks off? Holy shit! No! (laughs) the person listening slash watching for this episode of bomb squad movie night uh while you're here be sure to give us a like subscribe if you really enjoyed this wonderful discussion click the bell to get them their notifications uh, and leave a comment Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts did you enjoy this film do you think that it's got some good ideas bad ideas do you still jerk off we want to know this information. It's pertinent. If you're listening on Spotify Video, we hope you enjoy this uh, uncensored version of the show. It's probably uncensored on YouTube if it's going to follow the same track as Fritz the Cat, because this movie's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And be sure to rate us five stars. Uh, give us a thumbs up on your podcatcher of choice uh, if you're using one of the audio formats. And of course, as always, please check out our Patreon. Uh, we like money. Uh, we need it to live. We-, we can't be like Ralph Bakshi and make uh, feature films on less than a million dollar budget. But uh, with that,
3: I will leave it to Tanner to promote next <clears throat> week's episode. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in next week. We've already did the Heimer part of it, and next week we're doing the Barbie part of it. That's right. Bomb Squad's gonna become a Barbie girl and a Barbie ward when we cover Greta Gerwig's newest film, Barbie, next week. Make sure you tune in. It's gonna be a lot of fun. See you then. Take care, and enjoy
0: your sentimental journey.
1: <laughs> Farewell, pencil dick. <laughs>
3: gonna get to work on that uh beastie boys amz
2: i died the day i married a guy
0: just slid my ticket across the table and i said sorry guys i gotta see about a girl